We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Some of us have a hard time making that statement. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, you're singing it, but you're having a hard time making that statement. Why? Because you know who you are. More than anybody else other than God, you know who you are. And so a lot of times we look at ourselves, not in the way that God looks at us, but in the way we look at ourselves. And that's very damaging to you. Because God doesn't look at you like you look at yourself. Aren't you glad of that? He loves you so much. When He looks at you, the blood of Jesus is flowing through your life. And all He sees is the wonderment and the beauty that Jesus Christ is. So when you say, thank you, Lord, for loving me, instead of, thank you, Lord, for loving me, not how I love me, but how you love me. I'm like Bishop. Sometimes I don't even like me, much less love me. But God, God likes me and He loves me. And He cares for me. He likes you. He loves you. He cares for you. Everything that He's brought you to today is simply because He loves you. He's not after anything else from you. He's not out to get anything else from you. Just the love. He loves you. Hallelujah. God bless you this morning. Thank you, worship team. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Sometimes I feel bad for the worship team because they, they, you know, they do a great job. They have to lead us and they keep us in tune and in key. And Pastor Don's up here just yelling off key and out of tune at them as I'm singing. And I don't realize it until after it's over. But they're trying to press on through and lead us into good. And so I, I appreciate the worship team leading us like they do. It, it's great to have people that will lead us into worship. Listen, the idea is not to cheerlead you into worship. That's not the idea. As a matter of fact, if we never played a music tune, we never struck a note, if we never sung a word, there ought to be an eruption of praise and worship in God's house. Because the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lord of glory, my healer, my provider, my savior, my redeemer, the God of all is in this place. Hallelujah. But I certainly enjoy singing and I asked Becky this morning if in any way we could help, you know, because we have family out and they're doing family things. And so uh, I said, if I could sing, I'd lead singing. And Darren said, that's okay, Pastor. We got it. So it's good to have people that know their, know their thing, isn't it? I want to talk to you today just a little bit about something. God gave me two dreams Monday night, this past Monday night. I don't normally go to, go to bed real early. I go to bed early but compared to Jana. But Monday night at about 6.30, I came in there, and I was starting to get Jana said, are, are you going to bed? Yeah, I'm tired. And I didn't realize at the time why that God had me go to bed at 6.30. You know, I, I'm, the more I'm, you know, they say you, as you get older, you become your parents. Oh, my goodness. Have I ever... I want to talk to you today about pretense or passion. Pretense or passion. Have you ever been around the buildup of something exciting that was about to happen? You ever been around something that it's building and it's building and the excitement's building? So you get, you know, you kind of get sucked into it, don't you? Kind of like a magnet, you get pulled into it. You know, the championships of professional sports, they all have their buildup. Whether it's the Super Bowl or the NBA Finals or, or the World Series or the ho- hockey, it doesn't matter. There's always a buildup. They don't just show up one day and say, okay, here's the championship. There's this buildup. And why is that? Because it gets the fans all tuned in and excited. And In college, there's championships. And in college championships, there's always a buildup. You know, the, the thing they're talking about now is the college basketball Final Four. You know, they want to have it, and they're trying to figure out a way to do it because of the COVID. But they're still, even in what we're going through right now, they're still trying to create a buildup, an anticipation. You know, upcoming marriage nuptials have their buildup. 
They have their buildup. When a man and a woman know they're, they're, uh, they've got coming forward and they're going to be married, there's, there's a buildup in this. And not only are they involved, but their family gets involved and everybody becomes excited. The birth of a child, man, that's a buildup. From the time you find out you're going to have one till the time you have it, there's this buildup. There's, you know, there's all kind of things. There's, a, there's, there's clothes bought and there's cribs bought and there's rooms painted and all kinds of, there's this buildup. The start of a new job. The start of a new job. If you get a new job, <coughs> pardon me, there's a buildup. You start, you know, you start putting things together and you say, okay, now I used to use this equipment in my, and use these things, and, but I'm going to buy me some new stuff and I'm going to buy me some new clothes. I'm going to walk into that new job looking new, feeling new. There's this buildup. First date. First date. That strikes a chord with everybody. The first date you ever had with you know, the person you thought, man, this could be it. Yeah. The, yeah. It's a, it's a good thing that it was noisy in that place that night. There's a buildup. There's an excitement that comes. Many, many things in our lives have a buildup, don't they? Many things have a buildup. The expectation of something great, something fun, something exciting. And we anticipate that buildup with a thing called passion. We develop a passion for it. There's a lot of guys. I've got a friend in Willis, Texas. That, uh, actually, he lives in New Waverly. I better correct that in case he calls me on it. And there's this thing called deer season every year that he builds. Now, we, we get together. We do th- our things, but we don't do it like Bo does. There's a buildup in his life. And, man, all of these things come, you know, because in the middle of all the deer hunting, and he gets all of these, uh, all the stuff and his guns and all this stuff, he also has fishing. And there's a build there's a build up to everything that he does. It's not just I'm gonna do this one day. It's just a build up. It's an anticipation. Listen, Webster defines passion as an experience of sensation or impression. An experience. See, that's what passion is. It's an experience. We think of passion as an emotion, but passion is actually an you can have all the emotion you want and never experience passion. Because passion is an experience. True passion is not just the emotion of it. It's the experience of it. It's not just a feeling. It's an action. Fans that are, listen, fans, you, I'll guarantee you I can go to Darren Nelson's house and find Aggie caps. Aggie shirts. Aggie socks. Aggie, well, maybe not. Maybe Aggie underwear. I don't know. Why is that? Why, why, why do we have, because we're passionate about where we went to college at. I have some friends that, that graduated from Alabama, and man, I wish Alabama would finally lose and quit winning because they're so passionate about it. They'd rub it all in you. But that's good. They have a passion because they have an experience. You know what? You ever notice how passionate fans are? They buy shirts. They buy flags. They yell, yeah, they yell loud at You've been to a ball game where they just like you can't hear the game because the guy next to you is just yelling as loud as he can. They cheer their team on, even in the living room. It's just as powerful in a living room as it is in a bowl or a stadium. When a couple are about to get married, they talk about their future, don't they? You know, just off the cuff, hey, let's get married and go get married. That's a mistake. They plan for a home. They plan for a family. They plan their wedding, their honeymoon. When a new, a new child is coming, couples do all the planning, and they, they do all these things, and then in-laws get involved, and outlaws get involved, and cousins and aunts, and everybody gets involved in this. A new job creates, though, again, those new, fresh things in our life. And a first date, well, your first date, you know, guys, you clean up your car, don't you? That thing's got all kind of candy wrappers and Coke cans in it, but what do you do? Man, before you take that girl out on a date, you clean that car up. You armor all everything. You get everything. Why is that? You've got a passion for what's about to happen. I'm about to experience something. I want this. You look for the best restaurant. You 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 go to the place and the cologne. That's the hardest thing about me picking out a cologne. I can't pick out a cologne because I can't smell. I might put one on that's just horrible. It could be ode to skunk, and I wouldn't know any different. So thank God I've got a wife that has a if you, if you smell cologne on me, it's not, you think my wife. Our passions all involve more than just thought and emotion, though. They involve action. P- 
passion. There are countless things that we're, people are passionate about. Sadly, there are people that are passionate about addictions. They're passionate about addictions. They're passionate about evil and evil things. Passion runs very many ways. They're passionate about sinful notions. They're all called those things that I just talked about, lives of quiet desperation. Two of the saddest words ever spoken in a life is if only. If only. If only. If only. Why is that? Because they're living in pretense. Their life has been spent in a life of pretense. Pretense is the attempt to make something that is not the case appear to be true. Pretense is the attempt to make something that is not the case appear to be true. That's the definition of pretense. Many people live in the world of pretense of things that they think is going to bring them pleasure. They live in a world that there's something that's really not the case, but it's going to appear to make, you know, have you met those people that, man, it appears they're the happiest people in the world until you go to their house? Because they're living in pretense. They're happy. They think they're happy with what they have, and they make that appearance that you would believe it. Many people live in this pretense world of, you know, the, the living of luxury. And, and the, <clears throat> Here's something I've noticed, and it's not everybody, but I've noticed a lot of people in our society that want to have the pretense of living in luxury. They don't want you to know about the debt they're involved in and the pretense of living in luxury. You think, man, what a nice house. What a nice car. What, boy, they dress nice. Look at all, uh, man, they go all over the world. And they're, they're $1 away from bankruptcy because it's a pretense. They're, they're making an appearance of something that's really not true. Attempting to make something, pretense, attempting to make something that is not the case appear to be true. There's another word for that. It's a three-letter word. Starts with an L, ends with an E, and there's another vowel right in the middle. That's what a pretense is. It's nothing but a lie. The saddest people are those who don't live in the passion of living for God. Their passion is not living for God. It's okay to have other passions, but if, you're, if your biggest passion, your biggest experience is not living for God, then you're living in pretense. All other passions are meaningless. They're meaningless. God's not against you loving your team or going fishing or going shopping or spending time here or doing that as long as that's not your main passion. You're going to experience things in life. You should. Those are blessings from God. But God's ultimate passion in our life should be our ultimate passion with Him. He should be the most important. There's people that live in that pretense that they never really live for God. You know the churches are full of people that are sitting on pews that are in pretense. To attempt to make something appear to be the case when it's not. They never really experience God in their life. Well, I came to church and we had a great service last Sunday, and we did. But if that is your experience, if that's your passion, then you're living in pretense. Every day ought to be an ultimate experience with you and God. Every single day. What has God done? I'm quitting asking people, how, how you doing? How you doing? this? I'm, what did God do for you? Do for this? Jason and I have started this. What has God done for you this week? Uh, let me think for a second. Man, you're living in pretense. We ought to be able to just, it ought to just flow. What, what do you have the most fun doing? I can ask that question, and most people will go, oh, and then they can spit it out there. It's a passion. What team do you, oh, I can spit it out there. It's a passion. What has God done for you this week? Jesus said your first passion is to be for God. That's your first passion. Your second passion is to be for others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Your first passion is God. Your next passion is others. And from there, you can passion away. You can passion away. Your second passion, again, loving your neighbor as yourself, seems to be as hard or harder than loving God first. Passion's not an emotion. It's the experience. It's the experience. 
God in these last days is calling us out as the church, out of pretense and into passion. Out of pretense and into passion. Listen, things in this world are being shaken. You know, we, our, we look at our little country, and we, we're, we're, we're so tied up in what's going on in our little country that we're, we're really not even looking at what's going on around the world. You understand the world right now is being shaken. Not just your little world, not just Texas's little world, not just the U.S. of A.'s little world. The entire world is being shaken right now. Man, there are things going on. Not just COVID. We think, oh, COVID, COVID, COVID. Listen, COVID doesn't have to exist to, for the shakenness that's going on in the world right now. Man, there's a huge shaking going on in the world. Things in this world being shaken to their very foundations. Things that people believe are being tested to their very core. Not just in America. Some of the things that we believe strongly for in this country are being tested and shaken to the very core. Some of you look at me like you don't know what what you're talking about. Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. Man, we have to to get out of pretense. Y'all know who Mr. Magoo is? When I was a kid, there was a cartoon cartoon called Mr. Magoo. Mr. Magoo walked this world, and car crashes, things were crashing down, worlds were colliding, and Mr. Magoo just walked through there like nothing was ever happening. Jim Backus, Mr. Magoo. Nothing ever happened because Mr. Magoo was oblivious to anything going around. And sometimes we walk in this world oblivious like Mr. Magoo because we're living in pretense. We're pretending that something is going on. Listen, God is speaking to pastors and preachers right now. I want you to, I want you to understand this. God is speaking to pastors and preachers right now, bringing them to a place of passion. How do I know this? Because God is speaking to your pastor, unlike I've ever heard from God in my life. Last Monday night, I, God spoke to me in a dream. Now, y'all don't write me off here. Oh, when you, got, you heard a voice? Well, almost. God spoke to me. I, I had two dreams. I've always believed that God speaks in dreams. It just has really never happened to me like that. Not, like, not in this extent and to this proportion. And in my dream, Jan and I were in the back of this, this large mega church. There were tens of thousands of people in this mega church in my dream. And so as we were sitting back there, uh, I realized it wasn't Tabernacle of Praise. It wasn't us as a mega church. It was just this mega, peep, the place was packed. Thousands upon thousands. The preacher got up to preach, and he had no more spoken about the Holy Ghost when the entire congregation got up and moved like a group of sardines and packed against the altar. He, had, he hadn't said a couple of words about the power of the Holy Ghost when this happened. And people began to pray and cry and reach out to God. And man, it was, it was so loud and so fervent in my, in my dream. And I, when I woke up, I had to try to, you know, you know those dreams where you go, was this real or did, was this a dream? This was one of those, it was so real. Then I began to have a conversation with God. Have you ever had a real conversation with God where, where you're asking questions and he's asking questions? And I had this conversation with God like I've never experienced before in my life. God said to me first, let me tell you, that's why I'm telling you God is speaking to pastors and preachers first right now. And I'm going to tell you why. Because this pastor heard what God said. He said, quit speaking to me about what other mega church pastors are preaching. Yeah, don't you? Yeah. I kind of quit speaking to me about what other megachurch pastors are preaching and teaching. I'm changing their sermons from the power of positivity and prosperity in this world to the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of the prosperity of the Spirit. He said, you quit speaking to me about that. Yeah, so I got a spanking first. Then I ask God, well, what about the people who are choosing to step back and ignore this move of the Spirit that's going on? You know, why don't people in our church get involved? And why did this happen? And God said, you didn't call them. And you didn't save them. I called them and I saved them. I'll deal with them. You move forward. So I took another spanking. Then I ask him, well, what about our churches? Because the government 
of our country wants to close churches down. He wants to, they want to shut them down completely and shut the doors. God, what, what, what do we do about this? And he said, don't, con- don't concern yourself with governments. Don't concern yourself with leaders. I've put governments in places. I'll take governments down. I put people in leadership. I'll take people down. He would, the greatest thing that ever happened, he said, the greatest thing that ever happened to my church in the early period was when they shut down Jerusalem. When Titus shut the doors on Jerusalem. Because what happened? The church was able to escape, and then the gospel was put. He said, that's the best thing. I don't know what he's, I didn't say, God, are you going to shut us down? I didn't ask that question. But could it be that the church, don't, he said, don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of that. My name has to be proclaimed. Then he asked me this. He said, are you confident you'll have problems and troubles and issues and trials and and fallings in your life? And I said, yes, Lord, I'm very confident. He said, are you absolutely confident you will have those things in your life? And I said, yes, Lord. He said, just as you're confident today because of the experiences you've had, and that's why you're confident, because you've already experienced this. You've already experienced troubles and trials and fallings. Just be- and have that confidence in me. Why? How? He said, have that confidence in me because you're about to experience some things you've never experienced in church, you've never experienced in your life, that the church has never seen. The church is about to experience those. Have confidence in me. Have confidence in me. Can you imagine having a dream like this? He then said to me, I am your God. Man, the, talk about welling up. I am your God and you are my church. Finally, God, you got off of me and got on us. I am your church. He said, I cannot be stopped. My church cannot be stopped. I cannot be stopped. My church cannot be stopped. No gates of any enemy is going to prevail against me or my church. Church, that's the passion that I have. That's the passion that I have as your pastor. I don't want to live in pretense. I don't want to attempt to make something that is not the case appear to be true. I want to live in this passion that God said we cannot be stopped. Live in this true, unbridled passion. He said, We're, you're going to lay hands on the sick. And it didn't. It, it wasn't a scripture quote, quote to me. He said, you're going to lay hands on the sick, and the sick are going to recover. Not they shall recover. It was, he said, you're going to lay hands on the sick, and the sick are going to recover. You're, you're going to pray for those in need, and the answer is going to be there. I'm going to stop right here. Because we have a lady in church that's here today, that we've been missing, Cindy. She's in, the, she's in the back back here. She's sitting in the back for a reason. She has a compromised immune system because the surgery and all those things. We need to pray for her that God will touch her body. Now, don't anybody get up and go back there. Let's respect her. But right now, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to pray for the need in Cindy's life, and God said He's going to meet it. In the name of Jesus, right now, Lord, we lift our hands towards Cindy. Lord, we believe, God, that your, your word is your word. You said that we will believe your word, that we will live your word, that we'll have passion for your word. By your stripes, she was healed. By your stripes, she is healed. In the name of Jesus, touch Cindy right now. Strengthen that immune system. Touch her body from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet, Lord. Let healing take place in her body right now in Jesus' name. Let the household of faith be the household of faith. Let the household of God believe our God. You're our God. We're your church. We cannot be stopped because you cannot be stopped. In the name of Jesus, it's done in Jesus' name. It's done in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. God, you rule and reign. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Please be seated. Please be seated. I'm not done. Thank you, Lord. Faith in this. I feel faith in this house. I felt faith a few weeks ago. I felt faith a few weeks ago. 
God healed my hip. I feel, I feel that faith. Cindy, I feel that faith. God healed me of my hip just a few weeks ago. I feel that faith in this place today. Hallelujah. Many of you only saw me on Sunday, so you don't know what it was like. But if you want to know what it was like living with Pastor Don with a bad hip, ask my wife. She was over me like a mother hen. Watching every move I make. Afraid she was going to find me, find me broken down somewhere out in some, all the time. All the, I don't, she doesn't realize I noticed all that. The problem is she's still looking over me like a mother hen. So, and that's okay. You've got to have somebody like that in your life. We're going to open blinded eyes. Church, I'm, I'm saying something to you. It's not that blinded eyes are going to be open. God said, you're going to open blinded eyes. we got to believe the power that's inside of us. We are the conduit of the most powerful thing that exists that's known to man. And that's the Almighty God in spirit in our lives. We are in possession of that. We are the conduits of that. God just wants you to believe. When we see people in despair and we find a passion for their life. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are just right now in total despair. Total despair. Where am I going to go? God said you're going to pray for them and the despair is going to leave because I'm going to answer their need. I'm going to answer their need. Church, what really gets you up in the morning? What really gets you up in the morning? Well, i got to be at work at 730. I'm not asking you that. What really gets you up in the morning? Why do you wake up and what drives you to press on and to press forward every day? Is it your job? You're living in pretense. Is it your family? You're living in pretense. It's got to be God. Where does your passion lie? Is your passion for God true passion or is it pretense? Is it maybe I can have enough passion to get to heaven? That's pretense. That's pretense. You're never going to possess enough passion just to, get to make it to heaven. It won't happen. Jesus said there are those who love me and there are those who don't. He didn't say there was anybody in the middle. He said if you're hot, be hot or cold, if you're lukewarm, that if you try to be in the middle, he said it won't work because I'm going to spew you out. There's nothing works in the middle. God didn't stop there with my dream. He gave me a second dream. And I'm sorry that you've got to listen to my dreams, but I got the mic. In my dream, my three natural physical brothers and I were, had this huge truck, like an 18-wheeler, but it was like, I don't know, four or five times the size of a regular 18-wheeler truck, and there was a trailer on it that was like 10 times the size of a trailer that was on the back. And, and so my youngest brother was driving, and I was riding in the passenger seat, and in the back of this truck and in this trailer, it was full of things. I couldn't tell what it was full of, but it was full of something. But I couldn't tell what it was. And so we're driving and we're supposed to deliver what this stuff is to a camp at the side of a lake. And all the time we're driving, I keep getting a phone call. And in this phone call, it's a name I don't, if you're like me, this, if, if it's a name I don't recognize, I don't answer it. So if you're not in my phone, I need to get you in my phone. Because I don't, if it's a name I don't recognize, I don't answer it. That's just the way I am. And so in my dream, that's what's happening. I keep getting this phone call. Name I don't recognize, I just don't answer it. So as we're driving, we come to this place. It's like a checkpoint where we're stopped by these three men. They say, well, we need to inspect your truck. We need to inspect your trailer. And so I, I get out, and I'm kind of, I'm still getting these phone calls. It's the same name. I don't recognize it. Not answering. And so my youngest brother goes back, and they say, listen, we've inspected your truck and your trailer, and you can't go anywhere. You're done. You're stopped. There's, there's things wrong with your trailer, and you can't move any forward. And so, so my brother came to me, and I was, as I was standing in the front of the truck, he walks back up to the front of the truck, and, and he says, listen, there's three guys back here. They've inspected. We can't go any further. And so I walked back to where the three guys were, and I said, well, you know, what's the problem? Every time they told me a problem to what was wrong with the trailer, a fourth guy would show up, fix the problem, and then step back with his hands crossed. And so they'd say, well, here's another problem. And a fourth guy that wasn't there before would step up, fix the problem, and cross his arms. This went on several times. Finally, the, the guy said, listen, it's okay. I guess you can go now. I don't know who the fourth guy was. I don't, well, I do. As I walked back to the front of the truck to get into the, the passenger side, there was this humongous crowd of people, tens of thousands of people all African-Americans, all of them. 
And this one African-American stepped up to me, and as he was stepping up to me, I'd been getting this phone call over and over and over in this dream. And so I stopped, put my phone down. I said, can I help you? You know, let alone know all these people. Can I help you? And I said, uh, what, what, he, and he said to me, yes, my name, our name is, and the name he gave me was the name on the phone call. He said, we are, and that was the name he gave me. We're supposed to go with you, he said to me. And they all begin to load, uh, load on this trailer and this truck. They begin to climb on. And I said, God, what, what does this mean? And God said, as a nation, as a people, the devil has stolen your confidence in me. That's what was on the truck. That's what was on the trailer. Confidence in me. As a nation, he's stolen your trust in me. That's what's on the truck. That's what's on the trailer. He's stolen the power that the church once had. That's what's happened in your nation. And, it's on the, and that's why these people are going with you. Because they're loading it. Because that's what's the confidence in me, the trust in me, the power that's within me is on this truck. Listen, understand that you're, you're not going to make it to heaven by holding Pastor Don's hand. Not going to happen. You're not going to make it to heaven by holding mom or dad's hand. It ain't going to happen. You're not going to make it to heaven by holding your husband or your wife's hand. It ain't going to happen. You're not going ha- to hold on to grandmas. You're not going to hold on to auntie, uncles, nothing. You got to get this for yourself. And that's what all of these people were doing. They said, We came. This is us. We're getting it for ourselves. I'm restoring, God said, I'm restoring faith, trust, and hope and power in the church today. I'm restoring faith. I thought we had all this. Listen, God said, we have, You haven't seen anything. You haven't seen anything of faith, trust, and hope and power like you're about to see. Many people are living in 2021 fearful about what's going to happen in our government. Don't be afraid of your government. They don't know what's going to happen in their jobs and their lives. Don't be afraid of it. God said, I'm going to show the church that I am your God. I am your God, and you are my church. You are my people. The name that I didn't recognize on the phone, I told Jana when I first told her this dream that I didn't recognize the name, and I can remember seeing the name on my phone. And the crazy thing was, and I guess this is how God, the name of the people was pretense. The name of the people, God showed me the name of the people, pretense. People in pretense. Why was it all African American? Have y'all been asking yourself that question? Why would it be all of one, is all of one group in pretense? That group is the group that loaded up on the truck and on the trailer and said, listen, we're not going to be racial here. Okay, this is not about race. But understand something. One of the things that I love about the culture of the African-American people is they have no problem believing God. No problem believing God. Well, I'm probably going to get in trouble, Bishop. But white folks, we got to get a hold of that. Come on. Come on, y'all go ahead. Y'all can laugh. It's okay. White folks ain't laughing right now. I'm going to laugh, though. We got to get a hold of not, not being concerned about how we get a hold of God. We don't, we don't have any pro- Do we have problems worshiping God? Oh, man, do we ever. Jason's going to cut loose here one day. I'm not going to be able to stop him. You're going to have to tackle him, Malika, because I'm not doing it. Felicia's going to break out on this stage one day in a full-blown worship. And church, we got to get on a truck and trailer with them. I'm not trying to be racial here. Please, please do not misunderstand me. But there, there's, a, there's a part of their culture that they have that they have no problem with freedom. we got to quit living in pretense. we got to quit living in pretense. But I worship the Lord today. I gave him a... I'm not telling you what you do and have, don't have to do. Worshiping God is your deal. But if, but if you're going to have passion, that there's a passion for the, what God's done for you. If you don't have it, just remind, have God remind you of where you came from. 
Well, you didn't come from where I came from, but you still came from it. I don't care if you grew up in the church. You still came from it. You were as lost as I was. How many times have you ever listened to a message, God said, and it was my word, and it was a good word, but you felt and experienced no power? How many times has that happened? He said, ask the church that. You've heard a message, and it's God's word, but you felt no power. He said, you and your brothers are representative of you and the church. And how the, the fellowship of the church is the driving force and the power that's in the church. The fellowship, when we fellowship together. So I'm not going to ask you how you're doing. I'm going to ask you what did God do for you this week. Because God done something for you this week. And it's that fellowship that's going to drive the power that God's going to move in this last day. He said, I'm restoring anointing. I'm restoring power. And listen, church, it's time to get, to get passionate about this experience. It's an experience. It's not a belief. It's not a faith. It's an experience. It's not a thought. It's not an emotion. It's an experience. God, God's Spirit is an experience, and God's power and authority is an experience. It's not something you walk around tapped onto your, with a little name tag. It's something that you live. It's an experience. He said he's reaching into the hearts of many pastors, many preachers. He, he said, I'm, I'm giving the words of spirit and the words of power. Quit talking to me about them. Don't do it again. Now, are we going to be mad if the church right over here of 10,000, all of a sudden the Holy Ghost breaks out and people are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Are we going to get mad if a pastor stands up and says, listen, God gave me a word. It says here that people should be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Line up, 10,000. Here we go. Are we going to get mad about that or are we going to find passion in it? Passion in it. Passion in it. Passion in it. Hallelujah. We came from a group. Many of us came from a group that had power and passion, and all, all of a sudden it has waned. And now outside of that group are people that we used to make fun of, that we used to call charismatic, we called ridiculous. We said they don't have nothing and we have it all, that God's filling the. That's what He's telling us. I'm filling them up. I'm filling them up. I, you know what? I want to be part of that group. I want to be part of the filled up group. He's calling the congregation of saints into spirit and power in these last days. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And I told Bishop this morning, I guess God considers me old because I had a dream. Then on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, answering the question of the Jews about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 2, Peter says this, but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. The prophet Joel prophesied it, and he said, now this is that. Bishop, did you preach that this is that message? Oh, my goodness. Bishop and I don't talk what we're going to teach and preach. We just, we love each other. Don't, we're not in an or. We're, we're, we're. Listen, folks, if that's not Holy Ghost, if you can't see God in it, this is that. It shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And then the birth of the church happened. Right after he said these words, the birth of the church happened. We've been, boy, can you imagine Jesse having 3,000 new babies in one day? A lot of diapers to change, a lot of crying, a lot of pats on the back. Well, that, if that's not bad enough, the next day there was 5,000. And after that, add it to the church. And then after that, the multitude began to multiply. We've been studying the end times on Wednesday nights for a while, and we, we finished that this past Wednesday. And by all appearances, by what we see, we're living in the last days. The end times. We know that we're living in the last days because in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. So we know that's already happened and still happening. So we know we're living in the last days, but what about the end times? I'm asking you today, where's your passion? What gets you up in the morning? What gets your motor running? 
Are you pressing forward with your family and your friends, your neighbors, all of those people? That you, are you living a passion? Are you living a pretense? Back in 1957, something that was accomplished. Men, men have had dreams of, leaving, of going to outer space. For, for hundreds and thousands of years, men have wanted to go and travel to the stars. In 1957, the USSR put a satellite that went around the earth called the Sputnik. People were amazed. People were amazed. I want you to catch this word because there's another one coming. Were amazed that there was a satellite orbiting the earth in the outer of space called the Sputnik. They were amazed. And yet, just about a decade later, on July the 20th, 1969, people were astounded that Neil Armstrong would step out of a cap capsule and on, put his foot on the moon in, in about a, a little over a decade. It was as, do you remember it? Some of you don't because you weren't born then. I remember as a 12, I was going to be 12 years old the next month. So I remember this very distinctly of watching on television as Neil Armstrong put his foot on them. It was, it was, a, it was a, more than amazing. It was astounding. But you know what? The reason that happened, someone believed. Someone believed. It took a Sputnik to get something to happen that caused us someone believed that we could be on the moon. In the 1960s, I remember this. Man, I, I remember too much about the 60s, I think. In the 1960s, in, in, the, in the weightlifting world, uh, it was not, no human could lift 500 pounds over their head. That was just not possible. That's a quarter of a ton. It's not possible. But I remember on a Saturday watching the wide world of sports on Channel 13 in Houston, as Alexia from Russia lifted 502 pounds above his head. And what an amazing feat in the world of weightlifting. 502 pounds over his head. You know what's astonishing? The world record today is 582 pounds. We, people could, somebody believed. And it went from 500, now 500, the world record, 582 pounds. Jim Hines was the first man to break a record that men said could not happen. There's no way a human being can break the 100-meter mark of 10 seconds. It's not possible. But in 1968, in Mexico City, Jim Hines broke the 10-second mark in the 100-meter. It was an amazing accomplishment in the world of track and field. Under 10 seconds. You know what the current record is for the 100 meter? It's held by Usain Bolt. 9.58 seconds. Somebody believed. Somebody believed. In the 1970s, I remember, I moved up a decade here. I, I remember them talking about the computers, and we, we, we were studying about computers and how computers basically were in block-long places. I mean, this computer was, we studied about Diana, the, the computer in Brussels, Belgium. And that Diana in Brussels, Belgium is a whole, was, it's not anymore, was a whole city block. One computer. And, and so, there's some idiot said, one day, people are going to have computers in their homes. Man, did we ever laugh. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing we've ever heard of. Then came the desktop. Then came the laptop. Then came the cell phone. You know what is astonishing? The capability of your cell phone, computer-wise, is greater than the capability they had to put Neil Armstrong on the moon in 1969. You hold more capability in your cell phone in your pocket, not in your house, in your pocket, than they had computer capability to put a man on the moon. Somebody believed. Somebody believed. Then there was Pentecost. There was Pentecost. In the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit. Three thousand. Who would have believed it? Don't tell me. Don't sit here and tell me that Peter expected 3,000 people that day. He expected the 120 that were in the upper room. After all, they had obeyed God. 
Church kind of is that way sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I believe this because, you know, after all, we're, we're obeying God. And we forget that God is outside of our church. 3,000 people. 5,000 people. 10,000. 100,000. That's a number that we can't hardly conceive in our mind of people coming to know God. Yet in the first few years, matter of fact, when you read Acts chapter 2, verse 12, the Jews were amazed. They were amazed. But when you go a few chapters over, the Jews were astonished that on the Gentiles was poured out. The, they went from amazement to astonishment. You know why? Somebody believed. Somebody believed. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Pretense or passion? There is no belief in pretense. There's no hope in pretense. There's no faith in pretense. What is pretense? Well, can we just make one word out of it? Pretense is just a lie. It's just a lie. And many people are, are coming to church. Many people are staying at home. Many people are living their lives in pretense. I guess pretend is a better, easier word. When God said, I'm going to turn my church into a church of passion, no more pretense. The thing about the power and the fire of the Holy Ghost is there's a burning that happens. And either, either that old pretense is going to burn out of us or it's going to burn us out. It's going to burn out of us. It's going to burn, the pretense is going to be burned out of us by the Holy Ghost or it's going to burn us out of the church. We're in that space in that time. We're in that season in God that God's given us dreams. He's given us understandings of what He's wanting to do. Listen, I understand some people are not going to accept this. I totally get that. That's okay. Not, it's okay with me, not for you. You heard Bishop talk about the, other, the wave the other day. Those surfers get out there, men. there's a certain spot where they grab that wave, and when they grab that wave, men, they can ride it on through. And, 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 but if they miss it, what happens? They have to go back and try to find another wave. And that's what's going on today. In the, in the Spirit, in the Holy Ghost, all across the America, all across the world. There's a wave that's going on right now. If you don't believe me, because Pastor Don used to not listen and watch, Pastor Don's listening and watching now, there's a wave going on, and we're grabbing that wave. Because what happens is if you don't grab it, you'll find another wave, and it's probably not as good as the one you just grabbed. And especially in this case, if you don't grab on this wave, you're just going to have to find another wave. The problem about other waves in the Spirit is they're usually of the Holy Ghost. When you allow the wave of the Spirit move by you, the next wave coming behind you is usually your enemy coming behind you to try to deceive you into jumping that wave. And there's many in churches today that will not follow after Spirit, will not follow after Holy Ghost. What does that mean? They won't believe. They won't believe what God has said. You know, I've been in the church 40 years. I'm not saying you. I've been in the church 40 years. 40 years. I think it's time for Pastor Don to believe. It's time for Pastor... That's right. Listen, if God can spank me, I, I'll take it. Because I'd much rather Him spank me than forget me. But God said this about Tabernacle of Praise. There's something that's going on here because of me. And there's something that's going to be fulfilled because of me. Not Pastor Don. Because of God. If, if you'll just get on the truck and keep driving the truck with your brothers and sisters that are in the house of God, the truck's going to fill up. It already has my presence. The truck's going to fill up with those that are willing and not afraid. I can remember a time, I'm going to close on this, I can remember a time being in the church when I thought, you know, I'm in the best place that could ever be, and man, am I glad I'm not them. I wish they could be like me. That group over there, nah, nah, 
God, God's not moving. That's all. That's fake. That's false. You remember Jesse? We, Jesse and I, we've had this conversation. We, we, you, we could pick it out, couldn't we? Go into a place and, no, no, that's not, that's not real. They're, 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 they're pretensing. And you know what was going on the whole time? Pastor Don was pretensing. Not realizing God, God doesn't pick out a particular denominal group and say, that's my group. That's who I work in. Matter of fact, he likes the ones that won't tag to a name. Because the only name left you got? Jesus. It's the only, that's the only name left. Church, we can move. And listen, don't, don't take this wrong. We can move out of pretense and move into some very powerful. God's already introduced us this year to this. He's already planted some little seed. God's just given us a little taste of glory. And you, you ever go, to the, go to the ice cream shop. Can I have a taste of that one? Can I have a taste of that one? They give you that little spoon. Give you, you taste it. And finally you taste one that's like, oh yeah, that's the one I want. God's given us a little spoon taste here in the last few days. A little spoon taste of what His glory is about and what His power is about and what the Holy Ghost is really about. Come on, old-time Pentecostals. Let, let's shed some of this. We know what it's about. Let's shed some of this. I've, I've been in this in the way all. Get out of the way and let God move. Let, let's go. I'm in it. I've been in it long, too. I've been in it long, too. I, I, need, I need to step out of the way right now and let God move. I just need to get in the truck and let my brothers drive the truck and keep hauling the glory and let those who will hop on the truck and trailer. Anytime I have a trailer problem, fourth man's going to show. Fourth man's going to show up and he's going to say, I'll fix that for you. God said, I know you're not without problems, Don. I know you're not without issues, Don. I know your church has problems, Don. I know the church that you're pastoring has issues, Don. But the fourth man is there to fix those so the trailer and truck can move on through. Move now. Hallelujah. Church, are we going to pretense or are we going to passion? Altar is open today. Do you want a pretense or do you just want a passion? God, I'm done with pretense. Done with pretense. God, I want my passion to be you. I want my passion to be you. Cindy, you can do that right back there in that room. You can touch God right there in that room. God is doing things that He's never done before in the church. God has, He's never done before in the church. Multiplicity of things, power. Let's let God do what He wants to do. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.